Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbill, and today I am excited to have pastor and radio host, Chris Brooks. Now, it's exciting to me because Chris is a radio host, and he is in, now in the hot seat. <laughs> He's usually the one doing the interviewing. Chris, I must say that it's kind of great to have you here because, I again, I'm usually... Being interviewed, and you're usually interviewing, and you've had so many different guests. Um, and I'd like for us to give some thought to Genesis. And I don't think people have thought about Genesis the way that we're about to talk about it. But I do know that when you read the whole book, there's a lot of drama, there is a lot going on. And I imagine that there's some inspiration that you've gleaned from it, and you have encouraged lots of families from this text. So here's my question. What does Genesis have to say about God's healing for broken families? Well, first off, thanks for having me, Trillia. Obviously, I appreciate you and your love for the word. And uh, this podcast is a great example of that. You know, Genesis is the first family, if you will. And there's so much that we learn from Genesis that we could talk about, about God's uh, blueprint for healthy families. But to answer your question specifically, and it's shown in many different passages throughout Genesis, the prevailing message for hurting families that Genesis gives us is that God's grace prevails over our family dysfunction. Now, every one of us knows uh, about dysfunction. When things aren't uh, working properly, when things are not working as designed. So when God designs the family, he designs uh, a man who should live in covenant with him, who enters into a covenant relationship with a woman. They become husband and wife. They have children that they are supposed to uh, train in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And this is God's blueprint from the very beginning. In Genesis 1, we see that. It tells us a lot about how God sees family, about God, how God sees human sexuality, how God sees parenting. Uh, but by the time we get to Genesis 3, you know what happens. Sin enters into the world. And it not only enters into the world in a general sense, but specifically it enters in through uh, Adam and Eve, a husband and wife, a family. And from there, what Genesis records is what life is like after the fall. And we see so much failure, so much uh, brokenness in uh, the, and, and really all of the failure and brokenness that we see comes from what we can describe as faithlessness. Once faithlessness enters into uh, humanity where we stop trusting God for his provision, uh, then we see all types of dysfunction. Uh, Genesis 4 uh, shows the first murder in scripture. And sadly, it's between, uh, uh, it's one brother rising up against another brother, Cain killing Abel. Uh, but yet through it all, God, though he uh, does hold Cain accountable, he shows him much grace. He asks him in verse number 10 of chapter four, and the Lord says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying uh, to me from the ground. And so he was clearly guilty, but yet God was merciful to him. He uh, sends him out. And even though uh, Cain shall able no mercy, God shall came mercy and forbid anyone from doing him harm. 
though his life will be hard, Genesis chapter 4 tells us that he prevented them from doing him harm. Uh, but where I think that the message of God's grace being more powerful than our family dysfunction is most clearly seen is in chapter 25. In chapter 25, we see the dysfunction of uh, Abraham's family. So if we fast forward, Abraham, the patriarch of Israel, uh, he has a family and uh, he has uh, a wife and he and his, his wife have these two boys. So his wife is Rebecca. And they have these two boys, Esau and Jacob. And we see the dysfunction from the very uh, beginning. And, uh, and, and if you look at chapter 25, verse number 19 specifically, is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 25, verse 21, it says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if this is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within. You shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And so you see... Uh, already in her womb, there's this tension between the two boys, and God explains to her why. But by the time we jump down to verse 28, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And if you think about your family and mine, uh, man, you think about the, the reality of favoritism. Uh, and so often it shows up in families and maybe there are folks who are listening to us right now, Trillia, that feel like, man, I, I wasn't the one that was loved or cherished or appreciated as much as my siblings were. Or maybe you know the, the hurt of not having the love of your father or mother like you would want. Well, Jacob and Esau went through this level of, uh, of favoritism, and it produced a, a, a significant amount of dysfunction, and it plays itself out all the way through uh, the next several chapters. Um, and it's interesting because uh, Bruce Walkie, he, he's an Old Testament scholar. He says this, uh, the family is not working together, but conspiring against one another because the patriarch Isaac offers no spiritual leadership. You know, when we don't offer spiritual leadership at the core of what happens to our family is family dysfunction. And it, it's the result of disobedience. And it's a reminder that truly all family dysfunction finds its root in disobedience. But as we go throughout the story, what we'll ultimately discover, Trillia, is that these brothers go through their own conflict, their own separation, but ultimately because of God's grace, by the time we get to chapter 28 and, uh, and, and we uh, see their story unfolding, God leads them through this beautiful reconciliation process. And so what it shows us is that, yes, dysfunction marks our families, but there is hope for reconciliation. You know, it's interesting because when we read the Old Testament, when we read the Bible, we know the end of the story. We know that God was had a plan of redemption. We know all, all of this 
stories ending in God's faithfulness, but as a family. And when we're in the midst of our own brokenness, we don't know the end of the story. However, we know that God is faithful. And so there is a... There's kind of this tension, I imagine, families who are experiencing hardship or brokenness uh, that they're experiencing and they're asking questions, well, well, what are you doing, God? What What is happening here? How would you encourage families that are in the midst of it right now? And they, they're like, that's good, but we know the end of their story. What about right now for me? How would you encourage their faith today? Yeah, I would simply say that we need to know that obviously God in the midst of our brokenness and dysfunction is working on us and our heart as well as the individuals that are around us. So often, Trillia, we want God to fix everyone else. And what God had to do in Jacob's life, as we see in chapter 28 of of Genesis, is send him through his sanctification process. Jacob starts as a deceiver, but he ends as a good and godly man. And I believe that even in the midst of the family dysfunction, we need to be praying, God, where is it that you're trying to grow me? But it's not good for us to own what he's trying to do in someone else. And so my principle is look for God's grace through it all. Ask him where he's trying to grow you and then where he is at work and someone else always be in a posture of giving grace because freely we've received freely we shall give keeping our eyes on Jesus is the only hope we have for reconciling our family dysfunction and when grace prevails when we're not only recipients of grace but we're willing to give grace then God heals our families. And I'll just say this, Trillia, I've seen it over and over again. I believe that our God is not just a God of miracles, but of family miracles. He restores broken families by his grace. Amen. Well, with that, I would love for you to just pray. Um, Pray for the broken family. Pray for our encouragement for those who might be struggling and hearing this and and longing for that uh, redemption and reconciliation that we get to see in the scriptures. Father, we thank you that you're the giver of all grace, that you are good and and so faithful to us, Lord. We see your grace in every section of Scripture. We see your grace in the story of our lives as well. Lord, thank you for your salvation and your mercy. We pray that you will heal the hearts of those who have been wounded and are estranged from their family, those who feel so distant and so hopeless. I pray to the Lord that you would remind us that, as Peter says, we've been born of a living hope. And so, Lord, may we live with the hope of your redemption, both uh, now and uh, upon your return. Help us to trust in you. Heal our families in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.